Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MCC. I'm your host, Isaac Mack. Joining me today is film producer Darren McFarlane. Darren is most famously known for producing the movie Saw. He also produced movies like uh, Corrections, Shotgun Wedding, Brothers Nest, and most recently, the film High Ground. Um, Darren is also the exec producer of the short film Grace, which, we, which he's currently working on with our very own Brian Pato, who we had on the show just last week. Darren, welcome, my friend. Z, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited, very honoured. So um, just one little correction. Um, so okay. the, when, I, when I produced the film Saw, I, was, I produced the short film Saw. So I, I, oh, I was... No, no, that's okay. Because back in the day, um, I was doing a PhD in chemistry at RMIT. And when I was at RMIT, Lee Winnell and James Wan, who were the makers and creators of, of Saw, um, they were studying there. And, and I just sort of, you know, we all sort of, cross paths and and uh, so I started hanging out with the guys while they're studying film and TV and um, they just uh, said Daz you know, do you want to help us out and produce help us produce this short film and I'm like yeah sure no worries sent through the script and they sent me through this little 15 page script and I'm like wow this is insane and they sent me the feature script and yeah. I read the feature script and I just whipped through and went mate I would be honoured and loved to be able to help make your short film saw because um, for them the concept was always let's make the short film saw to go to America with the feature film script because what happened to those guys at the time was that you know they were you know students and emerging talent and um, you know in, in order for them to be able to say hey look this is our script this is our idea we want to direct it we want to star in it um, so they did a proof of concept short film, which I was happy to produce and, and very honoured to produce, which they then took to LA literally, I think a week after we finished making it, two weeks later they were in LA. And then I think like a week or two after they got there, they were, you know, in pre-production making Saw the feature film, wow. which they shot in in 17 days for a million dollars. So, oh and then when it went, and when it launched opening weekend made 20 million dollars <laughs> so so for me i've always my concept has always been to to filmmakers look this is such a great story of you know you know resilience and self-belief and you know if you if you want to get something made that path always a pathway to get something made yeah. and uh, and these guys had incredible determination going this this film will star us and be directed by me and uh, and kudos to them, incredibly talented uh, guys who, you know, I think their uh, their catalogue speaks for itself. You know, yeah. so I feel very honoured to help them make that, which we made in the basement of St Vincent's Hospital. So, oh, is that where you know. I've been? Yeah, there. that's where we shot it. So, so we shot. So it's St Vincent's Hospital in the city. They've oh, got oh, this old boiler oh, room. Memory of that. Maybe that's that works in line. I <laughs> I've been to the hospital once in my life for a kidney yeah. stone. I was St. Vincent's Hospital in, in Melbourne. Yes, well, there's there's all the sore stuff going on there. But they've got an old boiler room. So we shot this little short film with oh. with um, Jigsaw down in the basement on his little tricycle and, and Lee getting his guts ripped open and stuff like this. They're trying to find the key. That was in the basement of the old boiler room of, of um, St. Vincent's Hospital. And I still remember the security guard coming down because we'd gone way over time. He's going... Okay, fellas, it's time for you to go. And then he looked at us with his little little um, jigsaw puppet on the on the on the tricycle, and he goes, 
I don't know what the hell you're making here, but just make sure you lock up after you're done. <laughs> you know, very, it was pretty, pretty wild, but um, yeah, amazing. So, 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 you know, I retell that story to Brian and, and, and here I am 20 years later saying to Brian with the short film Grace, this is the same, same concept, same model in the sense of, yeah, we do a short film, which we call a proof, proof of concept with that short film. We put it in film festivals around the world. And with this, with that, we're putting out this wonderful story of a father and a daughter of, of a family of survival, you know, which there's yeah. hundreds and thousands yeah. and um, put the, put that out there. And then, and then with us, with hopefully um, film festivals, getting it in there. And, and, and the idea is to then use this short film to make a feature, but I, I, I've, I've always been pushing Brian and said, look, I, I, a feature's not enough. I think it should be a TV series because yeah. it's hundreds of stories. And, and we were talking about this offline, just there's so many stories. And, and you know, I just, uh, I, even just thinking about it, my, I just get overwhelmed with emotion thinking of all these incredible struggles of resilience and, and just walking away from everything mm. to preserve the safety of your, of your family and, and struggling through so much to to eventually set up a new a new life in a new country, yeah. that's phenomenal. And and we Westerners and Aussies have no concept of that in our modern day. And yeah. so, for us to tell this short film, I feel very honoured to be help Brian tell this Assyrian Chaldean story. Yeah. And and we're excited. And you know, and this is a wonderful energy about this this mm. short film because. You know, the the day we looked, the day COVID lockdown was eased, we went and looked at Brian's uncle's or, or godfather's house, which he very graciously let us film, hmm. which is identical interior-wise to to uh, to the house we've modelled it on in Mosul. And on that day was hard rubbish day, so me and the production designer drove around in a van picking up furniture in Faulkner, where a lot of the um, uh, uh, refugee, you know, Iraqi refugees settled in Melbourne, yeah. and we're picking up this stuff from exactly the period where we want to film it, like right. nineteen. It's well, it's sort of nineteen ninety five furniture, but it's two thousand and ten. I think is um is the date. But mm. we're just like, there's an old old TV with the antennas. There's an old bed. Wow. There's a, it's just wow. phenomenal. And then when I walked on the set tonight, I'm going, this is exactly like Mosul inside this house. And yet it's, it's suburban Melbourne. So we're well, very excited. As I said to you know, Ryan, um, you know, being, being born in Mosul and, you know, coming here when I was around seven or eight years old and obviously all my family, I've got uh, lots of photos and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm super excited to see, you know, the, the end product, that's for sure. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how much great energy is existing around mm. us making this film. So, you know, um, Brian mentioned that, you know, we've been very lucky to be able to, um, we have a rider come on board for free. We've been able to get the crew come on for free. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's phenomenal, just um, this energy of positivity to, to make this film, and but also to make it the best it can be, but also be the most authentic it can be. You yeah. know, so the mother of the, of the young girl who's going to play the lead, I was just at her place tonight and she's going, you know, here's, here's some books and here's some, you know, um, props and pracks and hats and, and vases and, and, and religious items to, to, to add 
you know, the Christian element to the house, which is crucial. Yeah. And of course, and, and that sort of makes me then jump to uh, what Brian was, me, myself as a Westerner, the concept of Christians being in the Middle East was so foreign until meeting Brian, because mm. we all like, oh, it's the Middle East, you know, and yeah. it's that stereotype. But to tell a Christian story mm. and a Christian family who's persecuted, um, which, you know, is, is, is or any form of persecution, surrender. But, you know, to tell this story to, because like I'm educated on Christians and Aramaic and Chaldean and the language and, and the ancient civilizations of, of the Syrians, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So I feel very proud and honored to be, to be able to, to share that. I mean, yeah, that, so I just want to go back a little bit. So what was, uh, when you first, I suppose, learned about the content of the film, what was your reaction, your initial reaction to that? Well, I, I remember I was working with Brian over in Adelaide. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, when you're traveling away on jobs, you know, you, you, you tell stories about family and friends and stuff like that. And, yeah. and Brian told the, the story about his, his family, you know, his, his mother and father who were very wise to, to see the climate of what was happening in, in Baghdad and went, stuff this, we're out, we're yeah. out. And just packed up everything two little kids pregnant with the third packed everything they could carry and just got out of Iraq and, you know, before the Americans started bombing in 1991, I think it was. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I, I had no idea. Cause you know, I'm, I'm 50. So I remember in the seventies watching on TV, the Iran Iraq war. And then, yeah. then I remember, you know, watching what was going on through. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a period that I was born in. So I was born into war and that was just not part of life there. It's, it was mental, and, and it's it's mental and it's phenomenal. Like I remember watching this stuff and mm -hmm. and the horrific uh, gas warfare nature of it as well. It was it was it was evil, yeah. And these poor soldiers and poor civilians on both sides, mm -hmm. and then um, and then uh, of course through the eighties, watching George Bush, and then of course George Bush Junior on nineteen ninety, and and yeah. the, the the terrible, like all through the Middle East for oil. Yeah. and power and greed and just oh it broke my heart and then and it still breaks my heart because you know uh thinking of brian's family story it's just one of of millions of stories and so you know it's like one of our one of our actors johnny um who plays the uncle in the film you know his story like i was watching him or his audition tape and i started to cry watching it i'm tearing up now thinking about his story it's oh. phenomenal you know and so we're very, as you can see, we're very passionate about <laughs> telling these people's story and we feel very honoured to be, to be allowed to. So, yeah, it's amazing. Well, I, think, I think I can speak, obviously, for myself, but uh, my family, a lot of people I know in the, you know, who are Chaldean or Syrian, and uh, I, I would say the emotion that we would feel when, once we th see this film and even, I, I believe in my heart and I have 100% faith that it won't just be the short film, it'll be a lot more than that, um, you know. Yeah, me too. And more and, and really put um uh, i suppose our stories on a global scale i think yeah. the emotion that a lot of us will feel is a bit of relief to be honest with you because, absolutely because it's 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 these stories that we've told as brian said on the show last week the amount of times you have to explain to people where you're from and actually uh like even sometimes people when when they ask me where i'm from i tell them well, this is where i'm from and I and I, I got in the habit of just saying, but I'm Catholic, you know. But I'm, yes, I know. 
And that sounds a little bit silly when you hear it from the outside. Like, why, why are you telling me religion? Yeah. It's because we have, we have great pride in who we are. And, and of course, like, like anybody, you don't want to be misrepresented. No. In terms of your culture. It's like, it's like, you know, when you, it's like when someone goes, I'm a Syrian and then someone goes from Syria. Yes. No, Iraq, <laughs> a Syrian. And yeah. so for us to be able to, because like we want we want to do a TV series that's global and 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 that the world can see and yeah. understand and 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 you know and you, I know you asked Brian why now well and he, he very eloquently stated that you know he's building up his his ability to tell story yeah. and tell it well and and also at the same time you know like a snowball accumulate the right people to help facilitate tell that story. And now we're we're ready with the skill sets and the team and the people and everything's just everything's just sort of come to this moment where it feels it's right and we're excited and we've got this amazing team and the the short film we'll make uh, you know I was just chatting to Brian tonight it's um we're re- we're excited we can't wait to get on set and start start making this because it's it's going to be beautiful and and sad and you know I was just chatting to the hair and makeup person and she was she read the script and bawled, cried at the story we're telling. So if that's an effect with the written word, imagine with the visual. So, and not that our intention is to try and tear people's hearts, but it's, it shows you that the, the honesty and authenticity of the story and, and the connection between a, a father and a daughter and, you know, and survival. And they're just untold stories. You know, that totally the world is uh, ignorant to. Yeah. Totally. I mean, you know, <laughs> you you know that like you look to America and there's a they're unaware and 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 so many people like Australians were unaware as well and and you know until you meet these people you don't know so mm. and we're everything's so diluted through a, a commercial lens of yeah. of you know a commercial TV and commercial stuff and and. So, you know, we, we're hoping through platforms like Netflix or, or Amazon or something that isn't as uh, diluted through commerciality yeah. that we have the opportunity to go to tell this story and tell it with real rawness and authenticity and, and honesty and, and, you know, it's like a punch to the gut. Yeah, you know? yeah no, can't wait. So tell me what's yeah. the toughest thing about working with Brian? I, I, I hear that he can't... Oh, yes. <laughs> So the toughest thing about working with Brian is I am constantly saying to him, mate, I'm going to put the horse in front of the cart, the horse in front of the cart. You are running off with the cart and leaving me and the horse behind. (laughs) And and I love it because it's... Maybe it's the Syrian man who thinks in the cart. I want to do it now. I want to do it now. And and him and the cart, they're off. And I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow it down. uh, Maybe that's the Syrian blood. The Ethereum, the exactly. Ethereum, the goes, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it is with the thing with Brian is that um, that energy is so infectious and so yeah. uh, invigorating. And so when you work with him on set, it's a joy. And 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 because you know it, it's it's lots of sitting around and and doing nothing most of the time on sets as you're sort of waiting for things to be set up. So having this energy and intensity and, and it's, you know, and for 12 hours each day, it's, it's, it's quite a gift that he has. Yeah. And also it's a quite a joy and an honor for us to be, 
you know, caught up in this whirlwind of, of, of Brian spinning around on set like a whirling dervish. So it's like, you know, it's fantastic. So my, jo my job is to help keep him calm, help him keep him focused and, 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 and sometimes put a donkey on the front of the car to slow it down a little bit. And then we, we move into a horse once we get our gears in place. So, you know, but it's great. Oh, that's so, so you mentioned before, um, so you did a PhD in, I think, chemistry, also philosophy. Is that right? Yeah. So, so it's engineering. Yeah, so it's a, you did I a, did. So I did, I did chemical engineering at, at Melbourne Uni. And then after that, I went on to do a, a PhD in chemistry or plastics. Yeah. And so that led to me studying overseas and then coming back to Australia and, and studying at RMIT, which is, which is where I met um, Lee Winnell and James Wan, who were studying um, film and multimedia at, uh, at RMIT under Philip Brophy. So um, that's where our paths crossed and an opportunity to make their um, short film, which when, was their proof of concept for Saw. Where did that come from, was, your, your um, I suppose, interest in film? Because uh, what you've studied is quite... Oh, it's so diverse. I know. So I, I ever since, well, I grew up in country Victoria, which is a little place called Nil, halfway between yeah. Melbourne and Adelaide. Yeah. And so ever since I was a kid, just was obsessed with film and TV, but sort of but coming from a sort of working class background, my parents were like, you've got to go to a university, you've got to do maths, you've got to do science, got to do engineering, which I did as the dutiful son. And um, you sound like okay. while I was... <laughs> I know, I know. It took me 10 years to do that PhD, but I, I did it. So, but while doing that PhD, I was, you know, working on TV commercials, working on at RMI TV and, and, and you know, volunteering on BCA short films and, and doing what I love for no money um, while still doing a PhD. So once mm. I handed that PhD in, um, I um, knocked back a lucrative job in polar industry to pursue my passion which was working on film and tv for not much money <laughs> but you know when it, when it is when it's doing what you love it's it's it, yeah, exactly hours fly so. so was there a breakthrough moment for you like uh, when things changed or was it you just always knew you were going to go oh. This oh look i always i always knew i wanted to do film and tv and oh you know what it was i when i started at rmit um I was 28 when I went there as a PhD student. And, uh, and when I was there in O week, I'm surrounded by lots of people who are 18, 19. And so for me, I went, oh, well, how, how do I, you know, I've got to make new friendship groups here. So I saw a, an audition poster for um, uh, William Gibson's Neuromancer. And I said, well, that looks like a great way to get to know people. I'll audition to be an actor and make a new friendship group and uh and of course um i was one of four men who auditioned and so i got three roles because <laughs> it was most there was only four guys or five guys or whatever that did it but i met my um uh well future wife who was producing it and she was film and tv and uh, and so she sort of reinvigorated my or you know helped rebirth my passion for that for the arts and film and tv so my phd slowly went to side as i sort of focused more and more on my passion which was you know pursuing film and tv so so i started volunteering on the bca uh, short films as a great way to sort of learn volunteering at rmi tv and all that sort of stuff and then you know 
um, forming, you know, networking. Um, and just bit by bit, just sort of word of mouth, getting onto this, getting onto that. Um, the VCA short films led to working on a couple of TV commercials. And then what was I, I was, yeah, I got work, um, working with a couple of um, um, production managers who enjoyed having me around on their sets. And then that's when I got the call to, from Lee Winnell going, oh, Daz, you know, do you want to come help us with our short film, you know, and tell me about the film Saw. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. And then doing that, just I went, you know, producing just came so naturally. So at the same time, I was trying to direct as well. So I, because I, when I, when I was back then, I thought, oh, I want to be a director, I want to be a director. Yeah. And uh, so I directed a few short films, one of which got into Tropfest, um, Shotgun Wedding, which I co-directed. Yeah. And uh, funny, fun, but directing that short film, I realised that my skill set is as a creative producer as opposed to a, a director. Because, yeah. yeah, I just, you know, and working with Brian, you, you see that skill set of, of directing cast and knowing succinctly what's in your head and how to, to you know, you eloquently use words to, you know, explain to your cast and to your DOP, all right, what I've got up here, this is what I want to do. Whereas <laughs> I just, I, I had, I go, right, I want you to do what's up here that I can't think of the words, but I will try and guide you as best I can, which was, I wasn't great at. So, um, but producing, you know, it, it was, um, it just sort of came naturally. Yeah. So, and just, and being creatively minded, it just, I sort of, you know, was able to form kinships with directors because uh, I could help understand what they're trying to do and what they're trying to make and, and know the right crew who would perfectly suit them to help achieve what they have their, their vision. So. No, great. Yeah. Well, you, you answered one of my questions, which was, you know, what advice would you have for aspiring film producers? But I think you, you answered oh, it there, you know, just getting amongst it, getting, you know, getting busy, uh, volunteering for a lot of work and just, uh, and, and it yeah, seems absolutely. Like that networking leads to opportunity. Is that fair? It to does. Say? It does. Yeah. You know, and also, too, I, one thing I, I was, I, during my years as a PhD, I was a waiter for a long time and yep. probably 10 years as a waiter. And I, I would say the skills you learn as a waiter of, you know, basically scanning and looking at like, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, and then I need to do it in this order. Right? Yeah. And so for me, um, the headspace of, of um, being a producer of, you know, knowing the scope of what I need to do and prioritising that um is something that i think if you can grasp working as a waiter and knowing what to do when to do and how to do it it, it, with a smile (laughs) you know these are wonderful skills you know (laughs) what's that chris chris hemsworth was it chris hemsworth who says no no it's the rock uh it's nice to be important but it's important to be nice and so you know always doing everything with a smile and uh it just goes goes a mile but yeah always um when you're starting, starting out, volunteering, being eager, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call someone or email someone. And, you know, and there's that fine line of pestering. I always say to people, look, it's never, never a hassle if you keep asking me because it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's, I often will be busy and, and, and forget. So, you know, 
Uh, and some of the great runners of PAs I've worked with just kept emailing or calling. And then I went, oh, perfect timing. I need someone. And um, I'd have them on a few jobs before they're off working on a TV series or something like that. So, yeah, right. yeah it's, um, it's perseverance and resilience, I, I'd have to say, for film yeah. and TV, the arts. Things, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't actually ask Brian this last week. So uh, you guys obviously had this uh, plan and idea for a while. Um, but in Melbourne, you've had also the lockdown that kind of brought everything to a grind yes. for months. Um, it, did everything just stop? It obviously stopped for you guys for, what was it, three months? Yeah, well, so, so it was from, month, from March. March, okay. So from March, I had no work from March until just now, or just this week, really. And wow. um, so in that period of time, it was interesting because Brian, um, the, first, um, the first script Brian sent me, I guess, oh, I've got this great idea for a short film and I want to do this. And I read it and I politely said, look, you know, it's, this is good, but it's, it's a bit derivative, you know? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, you clearly are a fan of Martin Scorsese. It's an Italian oh, dad, it's an Italian family. Script. Yeah, yeah, it was a godfather of script, you know? And I said, mate, you just told me a ripper story about your family. Yeah. And I would say, and everyone always says, you know, write what you know or write from the heart. You know, the essence it always shines when you do that. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, for him, it's like, oh, I don't know. I, 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 I haven't thought about it, but I had thought about it and I need to speak to my family. And, and you know, so, and then, then I got this excited phone call Monday. All right, I spoke to my dad, he's cool. <laughs> so, and then that ignited this, uh, we wrote this script for Dinner Guest, which was a really dark, moody um, story about a Chaldean man who's struggling with so many different elements of life and, 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 and PTSD and, and what, what he experienced back home. Mm. And, and um, it was a really sort of, Beautiful but dark, yeah. And I think probably too dark. And then, and I thought is, and we we got I got some advice from a friend who's she's a great, wonderfully talented um, script producer, uh, Jess Leslie, and and she gave us real good advice. And, and we just went, you know what, you're right. Our, our, both our guts were feeling the same that this this short film that we've written is actually loses context as a short film, oh. and it's a great moment to have. In a, in a TV series where our character has spent a whole season building up to this dark moment. Mm. Um, so then Brian had kept telling me about this, this um, short film he'd written a couple of years ago called Grace. Mm. And I said, mate, maybe, maybe, what about, what about Grace? Mm. And then, and then he, he reached out to his mate, Chris, uh, who is a, wonderfully talented writer mm-hmm. and those two guys during lockdown sent me this film short film grace and when i read it, i was like mate this is it's hard it's 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 raw it's honest the essence of, of the of the characters are shine like it's 10 pages or whatever yeah it's phenomenal i was like ups and downs i said let's do it let's just let's make this happen and so you know and off we went you know yeah. we we did a treatment, we did a pitch doc and, and we got the team together and, um, and started casting from within the community. And uh, for, like, <laughs> we, with the central character, Grace, um, 
the first person Brian saw, he goes, oh, I love her. And I go, this is great, but we need to keep casting. He goes, yeah, I know, I know, but but she's great. And I'm going, yes, yes, she's great. She's fantastic, but let's keep casting. Let's keep, you know. And, go, and then eventually he goes, I, my gut's telling me, am I mad? And I go, no, you're not mad. <laughs> and then I just kept watching and I just went, you know what? She's perfect. Yeah. And, and this is obvious because, you know, so many stories you hear of people when they're casting, especially people who are from communities without acting experience, it's 600 people before you find the right one. And yeah. And that's, that's what I said to you earlier, Z, about the, the energy of, of positivity and that wants this film to be made. Yeah. She was the first person we saw and we cast her. I mean, we saw other people. And in fact, um, one of the other girls we saw was so, so fantastic. We actually rewrote one of the characters, which was meant to be a little boy. Mm-hmm. We rewrote it to be her she was just so good and the energy between those two girls mate in rehearsals i'm like oh my god those two (laughs) girls (laughs) it's beautiful so would you say uh um grace is the most um emotionally charged project you worked on oh yeah easy yeah yeah i i'm i um i love comedy and and you know stepbrothers will ferrell all that sort of stuff but also to you know i love um darker stuff like Stranger Things, but for me, of the things I've made, this is the one with the most authentic heart and essence. And this is a film that will, it'll be a tearjerker. Like I mean, I know, cause I'm a bit of a softy, I'll be on set going, oh, I'm just gonna go outside. <laughs> you know? Cause uh, Brian will hear me sobbing in the corner or something. Cause it's just so beautiful. You know, the cast, the, the story, and, and, you know, all the elements are coming together. So, you know, it's, it's by far the most moving film I've been a part of. Yeah, um, like I said, I'm super excited and especially one to see it and then two to see what comes of it. Um, I, I just, exactly. I just have this feeling in my heart and my gut feeling that it's going to be the start of something pretty big. And, yeah, me too, I just... And you've said yourself no. that a lot of things have just come together in just a beautiful fashion that it wasn't even forced, yeah. like it just flowed, is it? Totally, yeah, I, absolutely. Like, I mean, I've been, I've been on so many different projects where you can sense it, you know, you can sense the energy about it. And uh, I, I felt it with the short film Saw, where I was like, oh, this is, there's something special about how all that came together. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and it's interesting, you know, 16 years later, that there's this similar energy I've got with this, with this short film that we're making. And look, we're, we're, you know, we're also um, realists as well that, you know, uh, if for whatever reason, you know, it doesn't generate what we hope it will, we'll, we'll, we'll take the same approach as what the Saw Boys did and we will um, write a feature and do a treatment and put the film together and then send it off to who, um, um, the right funding people and networks and, and platforms and just go, here's us, this is it. And then while that's doing that, then look at maybe doing another short film or, mm. or working on the TV pilot. And, you know, it's, it's the beginning. It's the beginning. And, uh, and certainly not the, you know, it, it, it will not lie. We'll, we will make it. And how far would you say, I mean, so you, you, 
how far you're along the path of uh, getting it done. Okay, so we, we're shooting this weekend. So we, um, so on the computer beside me, I've got the cast rehearsing on, a, on another Zoom channel. Can't see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've, they've just logged out. So, you know. Damn it. Because they're all speaking in Chaldean. So, yeah. um, so we've got the, um, this uh, lovely girl, Sarah, ha Sarah Hannah, has come on board as our Chaldean script consultant yeah. and, and script supervisor. And so she's working with the cast and doing an amazing job to ha have it real, natural, authentic, um, uh, Chaldean short film. Mm. Um, it's, it's just full of so much um, honesty. Yeah, brilliant. And look, to, to do our part, because I feel like as a community, we're obligated to do our part. We've set up a fundraiser. Um, uh, the link's going to be below this video and uh, it's already on. Uh, Brian's interview on YouTube as well. So there's, yep. there's a link there. So I do encourage everyone to, I mean, we've got, I think 60,000 Chaldeans in our community. Um, if everyone gave $1, that's well and truly more than enough to. That would be fantastic. Would it, would it just press something down here? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Donate. <laughs> yeah. But donate. Um, I mean, I, I personally pledge, you know, I had family and all that. Already we've started to, to raise the funds, which is great, but we need a lot more. So um, everyone just, you know, really get behind us because this is our opportunity as a community to really, uh, like I said. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. Um, but yes, we, are, we are so so grateful for the support. We're so grateful for the Keldean and the Assyrian people. It's a beautiful story that we've been given permission to tell yeah. and we can't wait to bring it to life. So, you know, any support is so greatly appreciated because we want to tell more stories and, and this is our stepping stone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I mean, I'd love to go into depth of, you know, your career and everything. Yeah. But, uh, I, I do ask one question to almost every guest that I have on the show, and it's it's yeah. it's a tricky one. So if you could rewind, not rewind the That's clock. That's all right. If you could actually get into a time machine and visit your eighteen-year-old self. Um, yes. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for that young fellow? Oh, so you know what. Uh, it would be, you know what? It would be, don't be so afraid of failing because mm. failure is the pathway to success. Like it's just, I remember in my, when I was that, I was just so scared of failing or, or being judged for failing. And I was consumed with anxiety and, and to the point where I, when I got to 30, I was having panic attacks about panic attacks about, you know, my fear of failure, but now in my fifties, uh, I've embraced failure as the pathway to success because, you know, to succeed is to fail and to fail is to succeed. And, and, yeah. you know, and that's how you learn. And, and also to, you have to be not afraid because you need to take risks to be able to succeed. And the only way to take risks is not to be afraid to fail and embrace that. And also how else, you know, I do something and I, and I failed down that path and I've learned, well, that doesn't work. I'll come back. I'll go this way. All right. That didn't work. All right. I'll go this way. You know, it's all about, you know, pivot and learn. And, and, and then of course with that knowledge, you know, pass that on to the next person. So they know not to go that way or to do this way, you know, mentoring is, is important. So, so yes, to my 18 year old self, I would say, you know, don't beat yourself up about, you know, your fear of failing because 
with you know embrace failure as a part of success that's great advice and can i ask to, to follow on from that did the anxieties and and all those uh you know feelings did they start to disappear when you let yourself go and also started following yeah yourself? well you know what is when i got into my 30s uh you know i was so the I had no concept of what the panic attacks were. And so I, you know, was grateful that I had a partner that helped me get um, therapy. And then through cognitive therapy, was able to sort of talk through and make connections with, you know, moments in my childhood that I was judging, my, you know, judging my younger version of myself poorly and forgiving myself for making you know just mistakes things that happen in life yeah exactly mm. and it's sort of once you sort of forgive your younger self and embrace that as part of who you are and growing up you know and then so into my, once i got into my my 40s and that's how you become learn to accept yourself learn to love who you are yeah. and embrace all those things and it's, it's it's such a it's a you know wonderful moment of like Oh, you know what? It's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, don't don't beat yourself up. It's it's all going to be okay. So you know, nice. and then you know, and then it's like, and then when things happen, then you deal with them at that point. But what's the point of worrying about stuff that hasn't happened until it happens, if at all? Mm. So you know, I am a glass half full positivity person. So that's you know, good which is, um, as a producer, I think um, being um, uh, optimism is great for helping, you know, instill uh, energy into the troops because um, yeah. there are days where you really need your three-quarter time coach to come in and, and boy the troops, you know. So, yeah, you that's me. Yourself. That's good. Um, oh, totally. You know, exactly. Be kind to yourself. Yeah, that's great advice, sir. Um, so with uh, Melbourne, just as just a side comment, just side question. My wife and I lived in Melbourne for a good uh, what was it, three four years, and uh, I, I got to tell you, we miss the food and, and the culture a lot. Is is everything everything going back to normal? We, we've been talking about this lately, like in terms of the yes. personality and all that. I know it's got nothing to do with yeah, this. So no, 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 that's okay. So um, yeah, it's it's you know the the suburban um you know what the the day that we went and looked at the house for grace was which was the day after they opened lockdown about a month ago and and so and it was because the house is over in Faulkner which is northern suburbs so high street we were driving down high street um you know sort of Thornbury Northcote way and that's kind of the groovy groovy funky part of town now like What years? What years were you living here? Oh, we only we left in two thousand eighteen. So two years. Ah, ago. right. So well, look, I lived. You know, I lived north side in the nineties, um, and it was just all that was quiet. All, all down the high street, Northcote was literally just, you know, little cafes which just had a coffee machine and men playing cards or poker or whatever. Yeah. And then in the two thousands, it just it it just blossomed into this great funky part of town and bars and cafes and everything just popped up. I live south side, so I'm always in, in admiration and jealousy of how cool and funky it is at the other side of the river. So it was great as I was driving down the day lockdown opened, driving down High Street Northcote, and there were queues into this pub, 
queues into this cafe, queues into sure. this restaurant. And, sure. and as I'm yeah. driving down going, oh man, this is so exciting to see. Sure. And people also being really respectfully waiting, getting in, having coffee, food, supporting their local business. Oh. And so when we opened up here, because I live in Elstwick, everyone's going to the local cafes, restaurants, bars and stuff like that. So oh, really it's, it's wonderful. You know, we're sort of very, very lucky to have quite a cosmopolitan uh, city and everyone's supporting their locals. Uh, sadly, the city is still pretty quiet because the city restaurants depend a lot on the businesses um, having all the workers. And of course, they've only just announced, I think this week, that um, you can have 25% of your staff in at work. So okay. hopefully that'll start yeah. opening up. So, yeah, no. but um, we're very lucky. We, we went from 723 cases in June or July, which was the same as where France and the UK was. Yeah. Hard lockdown, we're down to zero. Those guys are 20,000, 30,000 people a day. So we, we're yeah. very lucky. Yeah. I'm, ha I'm happy to see all the Melbournians and Victorians uh, going back to some form of normality. It gives me oh, peace in my heart, for sure. It's so exciting. It's, yeah. uh, and you know, we got to wear, we, we, no masks in, in, in public. So it was, we're, we're all walking around and we can see people's faces going, oh, yeah, it's great go. to see smiles. To each other. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, some people are going, so that's what the bottom half of your face looks like. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Well, uh, Darren, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I just want to say, you know, for me to you, and I think on behalf of a lot of people, thanks so much for you know, being part of this and uh, um, give, uh, putting your heart and soul into it as well. Cause I can tell just from talking to you even off camera, the, the conversation we've had, I can see your hearts in it, uh, which oh, means, totally. which means a lot to us. And, you know, we can't wait to, to, to see this uh, come to fruition. Um, see, thank, look, thank you so much for having me on board to, to talk about, you know, our journey and our story. And, and like I said, I'm, we're, we're honored and the teams are honored and we can't wait to share it with, with everyone and share it with the world and, and uh, let it be the beginning of many, many, many more things to come. So thank you. Yeah, and and uh, in the spirit of uh, Joe Biden, if you don't donate, you're not Chaldean. Exactly. Totally. Down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. No, Z, thank you so much for having me. You're a legend. Cheers, thanks. mate. Thank you.